right, guys, and welcome back to another edition of the Tricky Takes podcast. Uh, again, this week we are short one member, so it's just going to be me and you know the normal co-host Austin over here. Up, okay. guys. And uh, you know we're gonna do just a, a pretty short episode here due to the holidays and everything. Uh, you know everyone's busy this time of year, so are we. But uh, we wanted to get in here. Hope everyone had a merry Christmas. We're recording this uh, a few days afterwards. Uh, but we really wanted to talk about the college football playoffs that are going to be occurring this weekend. And uh, I want to start with the Alabama game. I know I'm a little bit biased that way. But uh, we're really going to be focusing on, on these two games here and, you know, what we think is going to be going on in the future. And I don't know about you, Austin, but I, I like Alabama's chances here. Uh, I don't think Michigan has had to play the same quality of teams. I mean, yeah, they had Ohio State and Penn State, but that Ohio State game was real close, as it was expected to be. I mean, Ohio State was a great team. but uh, And I feel like they really only won it due to the turnover battle. Uh, but Alabama just had a lot more, you know, close games, tougher opponents. And, and you know, I, I think that the defense is going to be able to hold the, the Wolverine attack, uh, whereas I don't think that Michigan's defense is going to be as strong against, you know, like Jalen Milrow really turned it up the last half of the season uh and i mean our rushing game is just going to be significantly better i really don't have a doubt that michigan's the better football team altogether but i i don't think necessarily that means they're going to win this game um because like i had no doubts that georgia was a better football team than alabama and alabama ended up winning that and I, i do think georgia is a better football team than alabama but um it is about how teams match up against one another um, a lot, especially in college football, where the talent at, at skill positions versus line versus um, the uh, the opponents can vary so much. Um, and I, I do like the way Alabama matches up, specifically, as you mentioned, their ability to run the ball, I think is going to be very important. And um, if Jalen Milrow can have a, a big game on the ground, I think that would be really helpful. Um, for the Alabama Crimson Tide's chance of, of winning the football game. Um, ESPN, uh, their, you know, BPI, I think is what, what it's called, their kind of matchup predictor, um, likes Michigan to win, but just barely, just barely over 50% chance for Michigan. Uh, and then the uh, betting world kind of seems to agree with Michigan being slight favorites and uh, Michigan overall favorites to win the national championship. Um, right now, Michigan is anywhere from plus 170 to plus 200 to win it all. And uh, Alabama Crimson Tide are plus 190 to plus 220 to win it all. So very, very similar. Um, you can tell the the betting world kind of agrees that the winner of this matchup will likely be the winner of the whole thing, but I don't know. I really like both teams on the other side, on the other side of the bracket as well. So I think whoever wins this matchup is going to have a tough time in the championship game. Unlike last year. If Michigan had won last year, I think it'd be a different conversation, but you know, they kind of yeah. screwed the pooch and let up 51 to TCU. But I mean, it is what it is, but I mean, Michigan also hasn't won a bowl game since the 2015 season. I mean, that's 
kind of crazy thinking yeah, about it. They're due. They're not due. It is this is a pattern. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is washed when it comes to the, the postseason for college football. Uh, and honestly, you give Nick Saban a month to, to scheme up stuff the way that the team kind of came together in the second half of the season after an atrocious start. I mean, just look at that uh, UC or USF game for everything you need to know about how Alabama struggled this year. But after that, they really hit the ground running. Uh, and I think that they'll be able to continue that kind of dominance now they've had some time to refocus, settle in, a little rest, and then just all this time to prepare. I mean, it's one of the best pass defenses in the league and that Michigan is a very pass-heavy team. Um, I, I think if we can control the passing game, then it, it's not going to be much of an issue. I do still think it'll be very close, though. Uh, probably a three to seven point margin of victory. But I don't see it being much more than a one score game. I think if I had to nail it down to like one aspect of the game uh, on either side, I think Michigan's offense uh, is the, the biggest wild card because they haven't had like necessarily a bad game yet, but uh, they're kind of showing signs of struggling over the past several, like the last three or four games for them. Um, but they did, they've always done just enough to kind of get it done. And obviously they're undefeated. So um, they haven't fallen short yet, but it, it seems like they keep stumbling. And this, th- this game, they're either going to, I think, trip and fall on their face or have to like pit their stride again. And if they hit their stride again, uh, this is going to be a t- really, really tough game for Alabama. And I like JJ McCarthy um, as long as, you know, he can kind of complement that running game that Michigan has with a a solid passing attack, then I think Michigan will be able to score more points than Alabama, even though both these defenses are pretty legit. This game really could go either way. I mean, obviously I'm going to lean Alabama. Uh, That's biased though. Uh, I'll admit that I'll be the first two, but uh, I just, I really like how we match up in this one. Uh, I think it's going to be stressful because we're just not the it I don't think college football is the same anymore where it's a ton of teams that are just like yes they're the clear better team that should dominate everybody they play I don't think that we really have that due to the NIL anymore so I don't think Alabama is going to have any of these you know what was that 2011 national championship versus Notre Dame where we just steamrolled them the whole time I don't think we're going to see many more games like that in you know the college football playoffs unless we get another team to sneak in like TCU did against Georgia last year where they were obviously outmatched. But uh what's your score prediction here, Austin? I'm gonna go final score 28-24 Michigan. See, I was going 27-24 Bama. Yeah, so I think that's got the under. Uh, what is the over-under for this game? Do you have it on hand? Over-under is 44 and a half. Okay, so yeah, that's that's pretty low. As I said, both defenses are legit. Um, we've both got the over-hitting uh, you know, with our score predictions, but um, still not a very high-scoring game, uh, right around 50 points, which uh, that's... That's what you want, you know, for the college football playoff. You want 
good television. You want, you know, some points being scored, but I don't think necessarily the best television is, um, you know, a 70 point game usually, but sometimes it's nice to watch. I like those games that are right in that, you know, 40 to 50 points scored like slugfest defense is coming out and making great plays. I think those are just a lot more fun and engaging in the long run. Yeah. I think like most games are like dream over under for games, like 53 and a half. Like when you see that, you're like, okay, yeah, this is going to be a nice game. Yeah. Um, have you seen the, the stat about um, Alabama being uh, covering games against non sec um, opponents? I have not. Alabama so has been, they have been covered in 77 straight games against non SEC foes. Wow. I did not know that. Well, I guess we've been probably so heavily favored in a lot of those games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can kind of see that a little bit, but 77 straight games versus non SEC opponents. Yeah, I wonder how far that uh, like reaches back in time. I did want to mention that this game is the Rose Bowl, so it's played out in Pasadena. Um, you know, in a, on a outdoor stadium, so um, but weather should be nice. You know, Pasadena, California, this time of year doesn't get too cold. <laughs> no. Uh, the it'll, other, it'll probably be warmer than home for the Alabama guys. Yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll definitely be warmer than home for the Michigan guys. <laughs> I tell you that. Yeah, that wasn't <laughs> a question. Um, the other bowl game uh, is going to be played in the Superdome, so that's going to, going to be an indoor stadium for the Washington versus Texas matchup. So, um, I guess we'll segue over onto that matchup. Connor, do you? have a, uh, a strong opinion about either one of these teams or the outcome? I have a strong opinion that it's not going to be a very defensive-heavy matchup. Uh, I think this is going to be the, the highest-scoring game of the two, and the the over-under definitely shows that. It's at 63.5, so protecting a lot more points. But, I mean, this is, this is going to be a game where the offenses are coming out and – whatever defense comes up clutch in the big moment is going to secure their team to win. Uh, I like Washington's got a great air raid offense. I mean, their, their passing attack is just awesome. Uh, but Texas finds ways to win. I mean, they, they did it versus Alabama earlier in the season. They, you know, were blowing other teams out throughout the year. Granted, they didn't have a crazy strength of schedule, you know, that middle stretch. But I think this one really comes down to what defense comes up big in that, you know, one clutch moment. That seems accurate. Um, it, it is going to be a lot of points. That 63 over-under is probably going to get smashed. Um. Quinn Ewers and Michael Penix, both very talented quarterbacks, but um, the Texas run game also is going to be a big factor. I'm not sure why Texas is favored so heavily. I do like Texas's chances, I think, but 
I mean, if you just look at odds of winning the national championship, as I mentioned, Michigan right around just under that 200 point range, Alabama right at maybe just over the 200 plus 200. I mean, range Texas sitting in the upper 200s, kind of the 275 range. And then you've got Washington, who's a plus 700. So it's clearly a three horse race for the national championship in Vegas's eyes, but Washington's undefeated. They beat a, an extremely talented Oregon team twice. And that's hard to do to beat, to beat a really good team twice. I mean, it's hard to beat a bad team twice. I mean, we see it in the NFL with the division matchups. You know, you'll have teams like the Cowboys that'll, you know, split with the Giants. The the Commanders will split with, you know, either the the Cowboys or the Eagles a lot of years. I mean, it, it just it happens all the time. You know, back when the Dolphins were doing so bad, they would split with, you know, the Patriots fairly often. So, I mean, it's it's tough to beat anybody twice and to beat an Oregon team that was that talented. And especially the second time when it was, you know, a, a much better game from Washington. I thought that they kind of skirted by in that first matchup more so than, than the second one. I mean, it, it's just really, really impressive what they've been able to do all season long. And Penix, I mean, he's he's been a huge, huge factor in that. It's never really quite evident how college playoff success um, moves the needle in terms of like NFL draft prospects. But I imagine if Penix comes out and leads the Huskies to a national championship, his draft stock's going to go up because a, that'll mean good performances against good teams, but B, I mean, just showing the ability to play and win games really matters. And, and when you look at quarterbacks who have had success in recent years, it seems like most of them have been pretty good uh, players in the the college football playoff. I, you know, mine jumps to like Trevor Lawrence last year on that major comeback against the Chargers in the playoffs. Like Trevor Lawrence, known for balling out in the college playoffs. So yeah, it, um, I imagine if Penix, you know, goes on a crazy run here, that would help his draft stock. We might see him get taken in the first round, even though there's already some first round buzz around him now. Um. I, I've been flip-flopping on this pick because my heart wants to pick Washington, even though they're underdogs. I think I'm going to. I, You know, Texas down there, you know, best running back, Jonathan Brooks, but their backups have, have looked good. But I don't know. Something about Penix has kind of enamored me this season. He's, he's shown the ability to step up and and clutch moments. And even though Texas receiving core, you know, is probably just as good, if not better than uh, Washington and and Quinn Ewers is also a a super good quarterback. I, something's just telling me that Washington's kind of going to go make something happen. I've been going back and forth too. It's, it's been tough, but I think you know, I I got to go with it because it's what I want to happen, and that's that's Texas winning. You know, I like I said, I think it's going to be a, a coin flip 
and all come down to the defense in the fourth quarter. Because truly, I think that pending a, a good defensive stop is going to be whoever has the ball last in this game that is going to come out on top. But I think I do have to lean Texas. I think that they've just got a bit more of the pieces. And I think that Steve Sarkeesian is going to be able to scheme ways to get his playmakers open and get the ball going against a not-so-great Washington defense. I think that's what it's going to boil down to. Okay, so what's your score prediction for this game? I've I've got a fairly high-scoring game. We're going to go a little bit under, though. I went a little bit over on the first game. We're going to go the under on this game. 33-28, Washington. Oh, no, I've got it like 38-31, Texas. Look, honestly, it, it really could go either way. I just, in my heart of hearts, I really want an Obama-Texas rematch for the championship. I guess I'm not surprised, even though maybe I'm more surprised at my picks it is honestly what it what it is. I think going into this, I would have assumed I would have been on your side for both of these. But after doing a little bit of digging and kind of feeling out the the games, I ended up on the wrong side or the other side of the fence. Um, Do you care to talk about any of the other games at all? Not really. I mean, none of them super excite me anymore. The Georgia-Florida uh, State games turned into a backup bowl. Yeah, it's like what your latest number I've seen was 19 players either injured or transferred or opted out. And so like the, the roster's down 19. The non-college football playoff games just don't really mean that much unless it's like these smaller schools like we saw in Texas yesterday. That was <laughs> they it was the third quarter when they sold out of alcohol, I think is what the, what I saw. Halfway through the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah, they uh it just means something I different guess. in Texas. But that's the first bowl win in program history. So, like, yeah, I I believe it, and I think they won by like twenty points. I yeah, it was it was a, was a pretty a big win for the fans. Um, but we we won't give any predictions for the national championship game till after this week when when we know the matchup, and then we'll we'll dive into that one. Uh, we do have a little bit of time left. Uh, not going to stick around much longer. We're not going to do a tricky 50 today. But uh, we did just kind of want to mention the state of the NFL in terms of like the playoff picture and uh, kind of the chaos that has been the uh, NFC. Uh, and honestly, the AFC has been a little wild too. We saw a, a really big upset on uh, Monday night this week with... Uh, what a lot of people thought, you know, the best team in football, the 49ers got, I mean, pretty much boat raced by Baltimore, 33-19. Baltimore's looking like a tank. Um, the Eagles did not look very good against the Giants. It is a divisional game. 
So you have to take those a little bit more um, seriously in terms of like, you know, that's always going to be kind of a tougher game. Um, and then Vegas upsetting Kansas City, another divisional game, but um, you expect Kansas City to win that game. I don't know what to think about these top teams anymore. There has to become a point in when which we say like there is a clear favorite, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe we don't have to. Maybe we go into the playoffs just saying like there isn't really a, a best team this year somehow. It's weird because you know going into the season, everyone was like, oh, obviously Philly and KC. You know, they're they're the juggernauts. They're who you want to be scared of. I mean, you could have thrown San Fran and Buffalo and Dallas into that mix as well. Like, great teams. And then, you know, Buffalo has been struggling and can still, you know, potentially fall out of a playoff spot. They're in it right now. Uh, Dallas, you know, they're they're tough. They're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, Pretty easy wild card spot. I think they've pretty much already got it locked up with by one more win. Uh, but like Philly has been struggling the last five weeks. San Francisco has, you know, they had that three week stretch where they looked really bad. And then last night they, or two nights ago on Christmas day, they, they looked absolutely atrocious. I mean, Baltimore still can you know, fall out of the one seat overall in their own division. Like it, there's still so much possible with all of these teams and it's such a close race compared to, you know, last year. And I mean, that's not even getting into all of Casey's recent issues that have been, you know, highly talked about by everybody. I mean, I, I haven't gotten into everything that went down this weekend, but they almost look like they're falling apart as a team. Uh, it, it's been, very interesting to watch as soon as they started to struggle. I mean, you can really see the division uh, within the team. And I think Patrick Mahomes has been carrying a lot more of it visibly the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, some highly emotional plays going on uh, a couple of times that we've talked about a little bit. But you can't you can't let it show when you're the franchise quarterback and really the basically face of the league. Uh, you just, you got to be a bit more composed, I would think, and, you know, be more of a leader on your team than the way he's been acting. Yeah, he's kind of been lashing out, it seems, which is unlike him. Very. At what point do we just say the Lions are the best team in the NFC? Is that like a reasonable statement at this point, you think, or no? Like their rank and their play is showing me that they're easily a top three team and have a chance to win the whole Super Bowl. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised. I think this could be the year for them. Uh, what Dan Campbell has done with that locker room has been absolutely amazing. I mean, and you see it from the moment that they start the game and the Lions kick off. Every single player is locked in. They're you know given one hundred and ten percent. There's not a single person on there that, you know, we can look at that pulled a you know, Deontay Johnson or George Pickens, like we're seeing with the Steelers, where they're not putting in the effort on the plays. Like every way you see Amon Ra down there throwing blocks down for whoever else has the ball. You're seeing, you know, Khalif Raymond is out there making plays for him. You know, it's just 
whoever's out there and whoever's on the field, they don't care who you are as long as you're, you know, wearing their jersey. They're there right there with you. I mean, it is really incredible to see how fast he's turned that team around. And I'm super excited for the Lions. I kind of hope that they stay successful. Uh, but I think they're one of my front runners right now. I would put them in my top five for teams most likely to win the Super Bowl if we had to pick it. And they might even be in my top three. They've already clinched the NFC North. They played Dallas this week. Dallas at home mm-hmm. is favored by six points right now is the line I'm seeing. I don't know what I think about that. That's That seems messed up. I, I think the Lions should be, I mean, at worst, a, a field goal underdog. But, like, I don't understand how they're almost a touchdown underdogs against Dallas. Um, if If Detroit beats Dallas... I think that would kind of cement them as NFC favorites, in my opinion. And then you've obviously got week 18 now with the, you know, 17 game schedule. They play Minnesota again, uh, week 18. They just beat Minnesota this past week, week 16. I would expect them to beat Minnesota again. And then the Eagles are probably going to be winning their matchup this week against Arizona. And I would expect San Francisco to also be winning their matchup this week against the 49ers. And then when you look at their matchups, week 18, Philly against the Giants, they just beat the Giants this week. Although, like I said, it was close, divisional game. And then the 49ers get to finish it off, divisional game against the Rams. There's a world in which the Lions are the number one seed in the division or in the conference. Yeah. Now, there's also a world where the Browns are the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, the, the Joe Flacco has made a statement. And, you know, kind of this, again, same thing that is going on with the Lions, you can kind of see on the Browns team. Like, yes, they're stupidly injured. <laughs> I mean, we lost our kicker and our punter on Sunday. But yet you're still seeing like, all right, who, who's next up or we're rooting for you. And, and the next guy up is making the play. I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, the next guy up is getting torched and, you know, we're, we're hating it. Like Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt have really stepped up with Nick Chubb. Uh, obviously we've had a slew of quarterbacks, but at some point or another, each one of them stepped up to give us a chance to be in this situation. Now with Joe Flacco, it's kind of all coming together. I mean, it's, it's weird, but it, it only takes a Baltimore loss to the Dolphins, a Miami loss to the Bills in week eight. So Miami and Baltimore play this week. If Baltimore loses and then Miami loses in week 18 to the Bills and the Browns went out, the Browns will be the number one seed in the AFC, Like, which is – not something that I would have ever dreamed possible for this team coming into the season. And the that's not unreasonable because the Browns have two pretty good matchups too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we play uh, the Bengals and who's our matchup this week? Jets. Yeah, Bengals and Jets who are starting Trevor Simeon against us. And it's a bit of a Joe Flacco revenge game because he, he mentioned, uh, I think two weeks ago that as soon as Aaron Rodgers went down, he called the Jets and said, hey, I'm willing to come back. 
but uh, they, they didn't want him. So uh, it, it's a bit of a range, range game there. And, the, you know, the Jets, <laughs> the Jets made a big mistake there. Huge. I mean, the Jets would be in the playoff conversation right now if they had pulled Joe Flacco off the couch and he was playing like he is now. Like, zero doubts in my mind with the strength of their defense. I, I have no doubt that they'd be right up there uh, in the, you know, 5-4 seed conversation. Okay, um, and then the last thing I wanted to hit on uh, is the whole – MVP discussion that's been just absolutely rampant on social media. Lamar is now the favorite to win it. I don't hate Lamar winning it this year. He's been really good. I don't know if this one game from Brock Purdy being uh being enough to like completely eliminate him from uh you know the possibility of winning it, but it was a really bad week. But if he bounces back and has two good weeks, then I think he could be right back in it. But I see nobody talking about Christian McCaffrey's uh, chances of, of winning it. I think if Purdy, you know, with the performance he had this week, if he has another kind of so-so performance and doesn't absolutely ball out in the last two weeks and, and McCaffrey does, why is McCaffrey not the MVP? At this point, I don't even see why it has to be a quarterback at all this year. Uh, earlier on in the season, I, I thought that Tyreek should have been in the conversation as well. Uh, he did miss a little bit of time. He you know underperformed by his standards, uh, which is not to say that he had bad games. It just wasn't you know what he, we were used to from him at the beginning of the season. But as of right now, I think McCaffrey 100% deserves to be the MVP. I don't think that any one quarterback has separated themselves enough. Uh, I mean, we've got guys that are performing well, but just not consistently. And McCaffrey has been that work. Like, even the games where the Niners have been bad, he's been good. Like, he, he's been, I think, one of the only players that has been good in every game and performed well all season long. And really, that's where MVP should go. I mean, it's, I don't think that this year it needs to be a quarterback. Um, I don't see why. It, it It's not a quarterback-only award. It, just because it has been the last few years doesn't mean it has to be this year. And McCaffrey is at 1,400 yards on the ground already, 1,395, so call it 1,400, and has – over 500 receiving yards. So he's at 1900 all purpose yards and he's easily going to pass the 2000 mark and, you know, probably will pass 2200. So I, I think that deserves, it has a case at least to be the MVP and Lamar's already won an MVP. If you just want to compare Lamar's stats this year to his MVP season, they are not too dissimilar when you're looking at like passing yards, 3,127, his MVP year, he's already at 3,300 this year. So he's already surpassed that with two games to go. 
And then rushing yards, he was at 1,200 this year. He's just shy of 800, so not going to get there, but might get to 1,000. So he's going to have more um, you know, total yards. But in 2019, he had seven rushing touchdowns compared to five this year, so that's probably going to be about the same. And he threw for 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. He's not even at 20 touchdowns this year, and he's got more interceptions than he threw in his MVP season. So, like, I don't – it's not an MVP caliber season. Like, if you compare even his own previous MVP, it's just not even remotely close. But when you're – like look, like you said, looking at the state of the league this year, there's just not a quarterback that's really elevated themselves this year. All right, well, um, I think I'm about ready to wrap it up. Are you? That's pretty much all I have for, for this week. All right, well, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Happy New Year. We will catch you all next time.